Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Can You Dig It? A Silver Screen and Roll uh, podcast. As you can tell, I am not Christian, your normal uh, co-host and uh, intro doer, I guess. Uh, it apparently is a rule now, company rule, that somebody from Silver Screen and Roll must be in Hawaii. Um, so... Harrison is back. Christian went to take his spot. I am looking forward to my all-expenses-paid trip to Hawaii. Um, I believe that was in the contract we signed. Um, but nonetheless, Christian is on vacation for the week. So you're stuck with me. And uh, as always, if you guys um, aren't already, feel free to subscribe to us um, on iTunes, wherever you find uh, your podcast at we are there. Um, stepping in this week to uh, fill in for Christian, um, the man, the myth, the legend uh, from Lakers Outsiders, Hani Amadi. And Hani, uh, big question here: Do you double team in pickup games? Yo, there's very few things I do well in pickup games. Uh, being an absolute a-hole defensively is one of them. Uh, so yes, I will double team you if I, if, especially if it angers you. Um, yeah, that was the thing. For those that aren't aware, Devin Booker, uh, did not make himself many friends this week. Video comes out. Um, they were doing some type of scrimmage, whatever. There's some NBA guys there, some, Former, some current, um, and they double teamed Devin Booker. And despite that being what he faces all year, he was not pleased with it and said that they were here to work on their games, which really contradicts itself. But nonetheless, uh, he had some fun with it today. He tweeted that he uh, was working with his dad on double teams. Um, so at least he was having some fun with it. But Wait, does that mean he was working with Corey Brewer on double teams? Ha! <laughs> I like it. I like it. The, the one great thing about having Corey Brewer, Corey Brewer on the team, Freudian slip, was that he uh, he owned Devin Booker. It was it was interesting. Um, it definitely made no sense. Yeah, he tweeted today, birthday work with the Pops, 30 minutes of passing out of doubles today. Uh, so good on him for embracing it, bad on him for getting upset about being double teamed in the scrimmage. Um, naturally, we had many, many stories today about, oh, well, when Kobe scrimmaged, we double teamed him, and he has to be triple teamed, um, which... Is all, both Pete Kobe and Pete Kobe fans and just the lore around him. So, um, Alex Caruso goes one on 15. <laughs> they quintuple team Alex Caruso and still can't stop him. Um, we're not going to spend today talking about Devin Booker, although we are going to start talking about one of the guys that was in that game. Uh, one of the few guys that you could kind of pick out was Joakim Noah, who was linked to the Lakers. I know yesterday Alex and Alex, or I believe on, I guess, Tuesday, Alex and Alex talked about uh, the center workouts that the Lakers are going to host. Uh, 
A lot of fans went from jumping off the ledge when it was mainly just white linked to the Lakers to um, kind of stepping back to host the guys that they're going to work out. Um, Joakim Noah, Dwight, and I believe most Spates were the names that were mentioned. Seem to suggest there might be other guys that they work out. Um, Honey, I know you were campaigning for one of those guys last season, so I assume you probably still want him to be the guy this offseason. Yeah, um, I was. I think most people uh, last year thought Joakim Noah was completely washed up, which is totally a fair sentiment. He didn't do a whole lot in New York, but I think if you kind of like looked into his stats, at least uh, on like a per possession basis, you would see that a lot of those things that he did well during his All Star years in in Chicago, he was still doing pretty well. So even if, you know, his athleticism, uh, had worn down and, and he, uh, has obviously aged and had a lot of injuries, I think he still does a lot of small things well that, uh, kind of prove that he should be able to contribute. And I think he was able to kind of prove that on the court, uh, last year with Memphis for the second half of the season. Um, you know, he's not putting up big numbers. I think he had like seven and five or something like that last year. Um, in about 42 games, I want to say, for the Grizzlies. Um, but he does a lot of the little things, and those little things, I think, are way more important for this Lakers team than, you know, something that, like, a Dwight Howard could do. Because I think, you know, Noah's going to give you defense, even if he's not blocking shots. He's uh, a great team defender. Um, he's a good hustle guy, an energy guy, even if he is older. Um, and most importantly to me, he is a really, really great passer as a center. And um, given what the Lakers expected out of Marcus Cousins, which, you know, his biggest skill, uh, at least for this team, would have been as a passer, uh, in my opinion. And um, the fact that the Lakers kind of lack playmakers in general this year, um, I think Noah would be a pretty perfect fit for this team. Yeah, so last season he averaged 7.1 points, 5.7 rebounds, 2.1 assists, and 42 games, played 16 minutes a game. Um, I mean, you could put those to per 36 or per 100. Um, per 100 is probably better to look at because there's no way in the world he can physically play 36 <laughs> minutes a game, nor will he with the Lakers. Um, but yeah, he was still... He was much better than I thought he would be. I know we had the debate, um, and I the main reason I didn't want to sign him is because I thought he was washed. Um, he played, prior to last season, he played a whopping 82 games in three years. Yeah. Um, so it's I don't think I was necessarily wrong in being worried that he was washed, but I think, I mean, he proved he can still play. Um, yeah. Between those three, the other name they mentioned uh, was Marcin Gortat, who I believe signed overseas already. Um, mm-hmm. I They would have to be really blown away, I would imagine, to buy him out of an overseas contract. Um, and he was really, really washed with the Clippers last year. Um, to me, at this point, I would agree that probably it's Joe Kim Noah. Um it would be my ranking of the four would be Joe Kim Noah and then a pretty big gap to most Bates. I think if you're going to sign most Bates, you might as well just play Anthony Davis at the five and save the roster spot because yeah. 
I don't think he's really going to do anything um, that Anthony Davis wouldn't at the five. Um, and he didn't play in the NBA last year. I believe he played in China, maybe. He played overseas, I think. Yeah. Um, so there isn't really – most Bates doesn't really move the needle for me. Um, after that, there's a huge gap. And then, I don't know, Dwight and Gortat are kind of the same for me. With Dwight, there is no, like, well, if you put aside the other issues, you can't really do that with Dwight. Like, I legitimately think he would be booed in his first game yeah. when he stepped on the court. And that's, like, not something you can get around. Yeah. Um, last season, most Bates put up 22 points a game in China, which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, Dwight, there's just too much extra stuff there. There's always – I know the whole sentiment about he wants to win. I don't know what it is this year. That's a yearly thing with him. I don't mm-hmm. buy it for a second. Totally out on Dwight. Gortat is also mega-washed. Um, if it's between those four guys, I think it's a runaway Joe Kim Noah. Uh, he's a guy that also has garnered res- would garner respect in the locker room and isn't afraid to kind of call guys out, um, which is something that you need. Um, and he has the respect to where if he calls a guy out, they're not just going to roll their eyes at him. Um, they're going to listen to him. So I think that's a big thing. Um, I think Jared Dudley kind of has that same demeanor. Um, but you can't have too many of those guys, I don't think. And I think he'd be a great fit in the locker room um, with this team. The other interesting thing kind of related to this, I was listening to the Hoop Collective pod with Brian Windhorse. I don't want to aggregate him on here, so he doesn't have to worry about that. Uh, but they were discussing... He did make an interesting point about how many times in the past LeBron James teams have signed kind of those end-of-the-bench, really old veterans that just don't work at all, mm-hmm. um, which is a fair point. They did it a lot, and he said, I'm not going to name names, and then named like six names. <laughs> um, the first one I kind of thought of was Greg Oden. I think Jerry Stackhouse was one he mentioned. Um, even Tyson Chandler last year. Um, he was good for two weeks. Um, maybe a little bit more than that, to be fair. He suggested signing someone younger. Um, he mentioned Kenneth Fareed, which isn't really a name that has been mentioned in this process. Um, I don't think of Kenneth Fareed as a five, which might be part of the problem. Um, with the Lakers yeah. not really interested in him. He mentioned Tyler Zeller, um, who's only 29. And then another name I saw um, connected to, well, not really connected, I guess suggested, uh, is Onuaku, I'm not going to try to pronounce his first name, from, uh, I believe he was in the G League, the Rockets G League team last year. Do any of those names stick out to you, or do does the idea of signing someone younger really appeal to you? I do like the idea of signing someone younger just because... Um, this roster is pretty old, and having you know those energy bigs, I think, is pretty useful. Uh, they can rebound. They'll, uh, you know, at least be able to body up on bigger guys, and it'll help Anthony Davis a lot more. Um, I don't know about any of those 
guys in particular. Uh, Farid, I, I've seen a lot of Lakers fans suggest Farid, and I understand it. He's a pretty talented dude. He is like immensely high energy, uh, great lob threat. The thing with him is he is uh, like a very bad defender, in my opinion, um, and he's never really improved on that since he's been in the league. Uh, so, you know, if, if we're expecting him to play fairly heavy minutes at the center position, be the backbone of the defense, um, you know, I, I, I don't feel really that strongly about wanting him on the team for that reason. Um, another guy I've kind of thought about, he, he would also have to be bought out of a overseas contract, but Jonathan Williams, who was on the Lakers last year, he only played a few games, but in those games he was actually pretty impactful and, um, you know, fits that mold of a high-energy guy. He can block shots pretty well, um, and he can finish lobs. Um, you know, it's not – he wouldn't be the ideal person to sign, in my opinion. He's he's not going to give you much offensively other than occasionally catching a lob um, and getting offensive rebounds. But, uh, you know, that sort of player at least, uh, a young guy who can go up and get boards and uh, at least put in a lot of effort defensively, I think that's – um, at least worthwhile to look at. While they're, it seems like they're doing their due diligence with all these veterans. I hope they do the same with some young players from the G League or um, whatever to to see if those makes a little bit more sense for them. I mean, to be honest, if we're talking about buying out former Lakers centers from overseas contracts, just bring back Tark Black. <laughs> like, yeah, I still am kind of surprised that he never caught on with the team. Uh, last year, he played 61 games. 20 minutes a game, average 10 points, 6 rebounds, um, a block a game. You know what you're getting with him. I think he'd be a pretty decent fit. Um, honestly, I might take him over just about everyone else we mentioned. Yeah. Um, which, if you had to, how old do you think Tark Black is? Uh, like 27, 28. Yeah, he's 27 years old, which really yeah. surprised me. He's still relatively young yeah um he has a lot of bounce i mean you're just looking for 10 15 minutes a night uh, from him so i don't know how much interest the lakers have in that um i believe he signed a two-year deal overseas when he did um so they would still have to buy him out um when you said former Lakers centers, I immediately thought Andrew Bynum for some reason. Um, oh. But I'm I'm all in on that idea too. <laughs> he was really just ahead of his his time, um, <laughs> shooting threes and just hoisting, trying to expand his range. Um, the player empowerment era would let him uh, park in whatever <laughs> well, handicap spots he wants. <laughs> player empowerment and Andrew Bynum probably would not have ended well. Um, <laughs> So, the only other kind of bit of relative Lakers news today um, was about Andre Iguodala, which wasn't really news. Uh, Bobby Marks kind of stating what everybody knew, which is kind of his M.O. for the most part, um, basically was on the jump today and said that he doesn't see... Um, the Grizzlies trading Andre Iguodala because he makes too much money, which is what everybody has said for the last month um, since he went to the Grizzlies, I guess almost two months now. Um, there, 
basically half the league was free agents this year, and it's hard to match up that money. Um, so he said he sees training camp time coming around and the Laker or the Grizzlies buying him out and then him probably going to the Lakers or Clippers. Um, do you see any other end to this with Iggy and the Grizzlies, honey? I don't think so. Uh, unless they really want to keep him until, you know, like December or whenever when a lot of these guys are then eligible to be traded again. Um, I think that's possible. Um, but at some point, it kind of seems like they're going to have to do right by the player and the agent and just um, buy him out and, and probably save a decent amount of money if Iguodala feels strongly enough about getting bought out. Um, I will say... Like, we've all kind of thought about this from the Grizzlies' point of view. There is a, you know, a possibility that Iguodala just wants to collect that, ca- the, collect that check and not give up a lot of money to get bought out. If, if, I mean, he's won his rings. He has a finals MVP. He might not care that much about going to a better team. Um, so if that's the case, then yeah, drag this on as, as long as it takes. But, um, if it's not and if he does want to go to a team like the Lakers, um, where he has a relationship with, uh, Rapalinka, um, then, yeah, I kind of see them. I, I mean, maybe it's a little bit too optimistic of an outlook, but I kind of see them having to buy him out eventually. Yeah, I mean, he could wait this out until December 15th when basically all the free agents who signed can be traded again and hope somebody, the Lakers or Clippers or another contender, can kind of cobble together the contracts to trade for him. Um that's a long time in Memphis and then a short time with your new team before mm-hmm. probably playing really important games. But, yeah, I mean, I'm not going to um, hate on a guy if he wants to get paid. Um, again, Mark suggested this could be just speculation that maybe he gives up around $5 million and then gets $2 million back on a vet minimum. Really, yeah. you're giving up about $3 million, which still would be... I mean, we're still in the neighborhood $13, $14 million he'd make this year. Um, he's already made about $170 million. Um, so, I mean, in one sense, what's $2 million not in the bank account? But also, that's easy for me to say I would say $2 million. Um, it's pretty difficult for me to say that. Yeah, yeah it's, pretty, it's easier said than done, I guess. It's easy to yeah. say, oh, it's just $2 million, but it's $2 million. Um, so we'll play a little hypothetical what if. If Iggy is bought out and he comes to the Lakers, um, I think, I know we've discussed it before, he's kind of one of those... 16 game players versus 82 game players. He's not probably not going to give a whole lot in the uh, regular season. But come playoff time, you have pretty much four of your five guys locked in for your closing lineup in Iggy, Danny Green, LeBron, and Anthony Davis. Who would you go with for the fifth guy? Wow. Um, ooh, that is tough. Without knowing uh, about the development of some of these guys, I think, to, okay, I'll say this. To me, I think it's between two players. It's between Alex Caruso and Kyle Kuzma. I think Kyle Kuzma is the more talented player, but I could see why Caruso would make more sense. He'd give you more defense. Um, and until we see what all these improvements that Kuzma has been talking about due to his three-point shooting, he might give you more shooting as well. Um, 
but I think in an ideal scenario and, and uh, where your championship ceiling is, uh, Kuzma needs to ascend to that role where he would be the he would be that guy. I would agree. I think uh, with Iggy and LeBron on the court, um, you would have enough kind of point guard um, ability, I guess, offensive mm-hmm. initiation ability. Iguodala played point guard a lot for the yeah. Warriors um, when Steph would get injured in various times, really. Um, so he's used to that. I think he would get enough of that. And, I mean, if you're to believe the reports, LeBron's um, LeBron's going to play point guard anyway this year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. It would be interesting. I think you're... It probably depends on the matchups. I would agree it's probably down to those two guys. I could see... Um, well, actually, I don't know. It it would really depend on matchups. It, with Caruso, you have just really, really, really good perimeter defense. Yeah. Um, with Kuzma, you're substituting defense for offense, but you could basically hide him on the worst perimeter player. And there's not going to be many teams that have that many good perimeter options. Um, and if we're talking the playoffs, then, I mean, ideally LeBron's going to be a bit more engaged defensively and you don't have to hide him as much, yeah. which the Lakers had to do at times last year. Um, so it'll be uh, it'd be interesting to see. I think they would go with Kuzma just because the ceiling's a bit higher that way. Um, but, I mean, if we're talking late game... You have a one-point lead with 15 seconds left, and they're coming out of a timeout. You're probably going with Caruso right. um, for the defense. Actually, I fear that they might go with Avery Bradley. Uh, hopefully, we have a, a pretty firm answer by the beginning of the playoffs time whether Avery Bradley's washed or not. Um, which, if you listen to our pod, I guess two, three weeks ago, you would know that we all think that Avery Bradley's pretty washed by now. Um, hopefully we're wrong, but uh, it'll be interesting to see what the what the outcome of all this is. I think. Well, I'll ask you first. If you had to put a percentage chance on it that Iguodala is a Laker on opening night, where would you put it at? Um, I will say forty percent. Ooh, see, I, I think I'd go higher at this point. I really don't see. Um. I really don't see the Grizzlies keeping him. That's just it's really bad PR. I think the only way he stays with the Grizzlies is if he really just wants that payday, which mm-hmm. again I can't fault him for. See, I'd put it closer to sixty percent. Um, I don't, I don't know with the uh, with the connections he has uh, to Rob Polinka. Um, I don't know. I just see that. I don't know that he would. I mean, obviously you have a role for Iggy with the Clippers, but I think that would be a really odd fit with him, Kawhi, and PG. Like, you'd make it work, but it feels like an odd fit. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think, yeah, that's my reasoning for only putting it as 40 is that I think there is a chance that the Grizzlies keep him, and I think there is a chance that another team, be it the Clippers or somebody else, swoops in to get him. I think the Nuggets make a lot of sense for him. I would be kind of, and, and he's been on the Nuggets before, so he has a little bit of a relationship there. 
Um, so I think I, I would be a little bit worried about them as well. So what we brought Hani on for, there might not be anybody, any <coughs> Laker fan better to uh, talk about. Uh, we're continuing our player preview series. Um, we are more or less through the guaranteed guys. I think we have a one or two left. We're into the two-way and the uh, G League guys. Next guy on our list is Jordan Caroline. So um, after this break, we will uh, preview Jordan Caroline. So, Hani, uh, for those that don't know, Hani is a graduate from Nevada, Reno. Um, probably one of a dozen Nevada <laughs> slash Lakers fans out there. Um, Hani, I'll give you the floor first. Kind of talk us through Jordan Caroline's time at Nevada, kind of where he improved and, and kind of heading into the, to the draft and whatnot. Yeah, so for the uninitiated about Nevada basketball, which is probably literally everybody <laughs> listening to this everybody podcast. Everybody listening to this podcast, yes, go on. Um, Nevada, pretty small school, not great, you know, in athletics, generally speaking. They, they've had, you know, uh, a couple years here and there where they've done well, uh, notably with Lakers legend JaVale McGee and Lakers legend Ramon Sessions on the team at the same time, going to a sweet 16. One of those was a legend. <laughs> in the mid-2000s. Um, but about three, uh, about four years ago or so, uh, I believe when I was a sophomore in Nevada, um, they cratered to a nine-win season um, and were god-awful. And about that time, after that season, they fired their head coach, um, replaced him with Eric Musselman. Uh, they got a prep player to commit to them in Cameron Oliver. And uh, Jordan Caroline came in as a transfer from Southern Illinois. And I think those three people, um, in some order, were basically the catalyst for Nevada turning into a what most people thought before this year, a... Uh, title contender. Um, obviously, that didn't work out as well as they wanted for a variety of reasons, but um, the last three years with those guys, they've won uh, three Mountain West Conference championships, uh, regular season championships, I believe one tournament, uh, Mountain, Mountain West Conference tournament championship, um, and made uh, one Sweet 16 run and made the tournament uh, two other years, I believe. Um so, yeah, I think Caroline was kind of an unheralded guy for a lot of reasons. Um, but he, uh, the, the thing that's made him turn into this player that went from, you know, uh, transfer to being a star in Nevada to, uh, eventually making it into the NBA, even at, you know, some, somewhat of a lower level is that he is, arguably the hardest working person you will see ever on a basketball court or off of the basketball court. Um, he has improved a ton, especially in terms of like his skill, but he is, if you've ever played, we started this podcast talking about pickup basketball. If you've ever, ever played pickup basketball against a football player, that is what Jordan Caroline does on a basketball court, <laughs> but with a, like a touch more grace and like actual basketball skills. Uh, but he's a dude, he's undersized, but uh, has basically played uh, power forward or center for Nevada his entire career there. He's 
six foot seven. Um, he played center for us uh, on that uh, uh, Street Sixteen run team. Um, and he's a dude who will rebound like crazy. He's gonna just bump dudes out of his way at the rim. He's crazy strong. Um, but this year, especially, he added so much more skill. Um, he's turned into a better passer. He's he became a legitimate three point threat uh, this year. If you look at his numbers, he shot about I think thirty seven percent from the three point line for the whole season. But uh, he actually got hurt. Uh, around the last couple of months of the season had an Achilles strain um, and I looked it up uh, until uh, if you cut the season off at February um, he played 23 games and he was shooting 46% from three on almost four attempts a game um, so he's a guy who he might not look like it because of the way he plays but he does have a lot of skill uh, he's improved his ball handling a little, little bit um, he doesn't have any glaring weaknesses he doesn't all he also doesn't have any major strengths um, but he has been so great at just improving little bits of his game and not giving up and, and getting so much better that it gives you a lot of faith in a pro career, whether yeah, I mean whether he ascends to the actual NBA level or it's in the G League playing really well or going overseas. Um, like I, I think most people who have watched him play over the last three years would tell you that he's going to have a su- successful basketball career. So... Came to the Lakers, as you said, kind of unheralded, undrafted. Um, joins the summer league team, played five games, um, and averaged fourteen point six points, four rebounds, um, shot forty five percent from the field, and a definitely sustainable forty seven percent from three. <laughs> um, Aside, I guess, a bit from the three-point percentage, is that kind of a fair... His summer league play overall, not just his stat line, was that kind of a fair assessment of what type of player he'll be for the South Bay Lakers most likely? Yeah, especially after he got over... uh, I don't remember what the injury was, but he had a little bit of an injury uh, that cost him a couple games and he didn't get to play or he played poorly. But the last couple games in summer league, he kind of showed you a little bit of everything where he's hustling and, and grabbing rebounds and... Uh, you know, pushing the ball up the court. Uh, his passing, I was, I was amazed. As somebody who has been a fan of him for so long, I was like, I have never seen this man make these passes. Um, but again, that's a testament to, you know, how hard he works and how much better he's gotten, um, that he's able to kind of, you know, become a little bit of a playmaker. I think, um, I say this and take it with, the, Biggest, biggest grain of salt you could find. I'm ready for this. But, like, it, it, I, I say this because everybody kind of compares Draymond to, to players now. Oh, yes. But, I, and I, and Jordan Caroline is nowhere close to being as good as Draymond is. But, like, the skill set and, and the type of player that he is is very similar, in my opinion. Um, he is a guy who, yes, he might not be a consistent three point shooter, although over the last year he showed that he was pretty good at it. Um, obviously you want to see that, see that improve over, over time and, and see it, uh, be sustainable, but, uh, he can hit you a couple threes every night. Um, he'll, he'll at least be a threat from there. He's a guy who can handle the ball a little bit, even though it's not the tightest handle. He can pass a little bit, create a couple plays. Um, defensively, I think he needs a lot of work. He doesn't get a lot of steals and blocks, which I think is an issue. Um, but he's generally in, in good position and, um, Again, he, he works hard and puts a lot of effort into it. 
Um, I don't know if he'll ever be become a player who's a, a great. He's you know getting his hands in the passing lane and blocking shots because again he's a six foot seven dude who primarily plays center or power forward. Um, it's hard for him to really do that, but he does get contests and he and he does play hard defensively. Um, so I think like the the archetype is there. It's going to take a massive jump for him to ever be anywhere close to Draymond, obviously. But um, that's kind of when you're watching him, that's the type of player that you're looking at. Does he shoot like he has a backpack on? <laughs> uh, his form, okay. I will say I, I I probably have bias because I've also watched Caleb Martin and Cody Martin shoot for the last couple of year, couple of years, couple of years, and they they make Lonzo look like uh, Kyle Korver. <laughs> But his form is pretty decent, I think, uh, Carolines. It's a little bit of a set shot. I don't think he gets a lot of um, arc on it, but um, it's, it's pretty decent looking, at least. Not not quite backpack level. Um, interestingly, he also got to the line a whole bunch in Summer League and shot 83%, which, super small sample size, but nowhere close. Like, that's way above what he shot at, yeah. um, at Nevada. At Nevada. Yeah. So... Yeah. It was only on 35 attempts, but interesting to see. Um, he signed, got a training camp invite, basically a uh, Exhibit 10 deal, which for those that do not know, basically means he's probably going to be one of the first guys cut, um, but there is a certain amount of guaranteed money, I believe up to $50,000 that that player will receive if they sign with that team's G League team. So basically, the Lakers are going to cut him in training camp. He'll sign with the South Bay Lakers, and he'll get that fifty up to $50,000. Um, I know you mentioned he's going to need a lot of work. I guess, how do you see him kind of adapting to the, the G League game? I think the G League game is pretty good for him. Um, and given, you know, how a couple of Nevada guys have done at that level, especially Cameron Oliver, who he played with, um, who was really great in the G League last year before he got hurt. Um, I think I think it really fits his play style. It's you know they're they're going to play fast, which will um, give him some opportunities to push the ball up the floor, which is something he didn't really get to do a whole lot at Nevada. And I think he could be pretty decent at, especially with uh, his passing kind of improving over the, over the course of these last couple of years. Um, and again, he's just such a, he's such a strong dude. Even if he's uh, you know smaller, he's not going to get you know. The bigger dudes in the G League become NBA players just because you can't teach height, as as they say. Um, he's going to be able to play a little bit better, I think, in the G League, given that he's not going to be outsized by people and he's going to be able to push his way around. Which I forgot to mention as I was talking about him playing like a football player in pickup. The reason for that is his dad is uh, Simeon Rice, who was you know a pro oh, football player, so defensive end. And I believe his grandfather from his mom's side, uh, I'm looking it up, uh, who he's named after, I believe, is a, was a running back at Illinois um, and played for the Bears, Chicago Bears. So um, how yeah, did this he, man not end up as a football player? Yeah, he like he, he's built look like at, he looks like a linebacker. <laughs> it's it's pretty insane. Um, but yeah, I guess he at some point decided. He loved basketball and went and played with, uh, I believe, Ben Simmons and D'Angelo Russell at Montverde. So he's got a pretty solid basketball background at this point, too. Um, the Lakers G League team is going to be very, very, very interesting this year. Um, yeah. Eric Holman, Caroline, 
and uh, Devontae Kaycock all signed Exhibit 10 deals. Mm-hmm. They obviously have claimed Costas um, <clears throat> for a two-way spot. Zach Norvell is a two-way spot. And Taylor Horton Tucker is probably going to spend yeah. a fair amount of time down there. Um, I mean, that's already six guys that are going to be real quality guys. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess you kind of mentioned it. Where do you think he makes an impact on the court then and kind of sticks out above those guys? Is it just the hard work? Yeah, I mean, he always just is the dude that's going to hustle harder than anybody else um, and rebound like crazy. His biggest, his best skill is legitimately his rebounding. Um, as a six seven dude averaging, uh, let's see, 9.2 rebounds, 8.6 rebounds, and then 9.6 rebounds the last three years at Nevada. Um, so he, and, and the Mountain West, not a great conference, but a lot of big dudes, a lot of talented big dudes. Um, so he, he's definitely held his own in that regard. So I think, uh, defensively, he's going to be rebounding the ball more than anything. And then his ability to kind of push the pace a little bit. And hopefully if he can hit some threes, since the South Bay Lakers love putting him up, I think he's going to shoot a lot of them. And hopefully that, that percentage kind of sticks to a, a pretty solid amount. Um, because I think, I, I legitimately think he can be pretty good at that. So I guess, I mean, kind of in that vein, what does he need to improve upon or succeed at? Um, one or two things or three things, do you think, for him to kind of make the jump to be a potential legitimate NBA guy? Uh, number one, I would say probably the defense, um, just becoming more consistent on that and probably forcing some turnovers a little bit um, just to kind of show statistically that he's, he's doing well on that end of the floor. Um, I think it's probably less important at the NBA level because I don't think he'll be handling the ball much, but, um, you know, I talked about his passing getting better, but he does turn the ball over quite a bit as well. Um, so kind of tightening that handle, uh, if he is going to handle the ball and then, you know, making kind of smarter passes at least. Um, I think, I think those are probably his two major weaknesses that he's, he's got to improve on a lot. Um, so I'm assuming I wrote this down. I mean, honestly, I didn't hold, see a whole lot about him. I'm assuming you don't think he probably has much of a shot to actually be with the Lakers this season. I wouldn't bet on it. But I do think um, over the next couple of years, if he does stay in the G League, um, I think he is good enough and will put up good enough numbers there to get some call-ups, whether from the Lakers or other teams when there's injuries or whatever, um, and hopefully produce well. But yeah, I don't like. I think things would have to go pretty poorly for the Lakers if if they're calling him up. Uh, which, knock on wood, bad news. Yeah. That seems to be a reoccurring trend with the Lakers. <laughs> um, he seems like an interesting piece um, for a Lakers kind of G League and developmental staff. That I mean, they've really produced quite a bit of talent um, mm-hmm. in the last couple of years. Um, I mean, Thomas Bryant was with them a whole lot. Um, he went on, he's starting, he's a starter, legitimate starter now. Um, even guys last year like Jamario Jones, um, yeah. I don't know what kind of role he'll have, but the fact that he has a role yeah. um, kind of speaks to where they are. And I, I think they're kind of, um, their biggest kind of shining light is Nawaba, who mm-hmm. was, if I recall, I think he was undrafted. Yeah. Um, he just came to like a G League tryout and they signed him. And Actually, well, well, I think he got 
he got, I believe, signed by the Reno Bighorns back when they still existed. Shout out to Reno. Um, and then I believe the uh, South Bay Lakers traded for him, if I remember okay. correctly. Okay. So yeah. either way, he was definitely under the radar even by G League standards. Yeah. Um, the Lakers bring him in. And again, another guy that um, turned into an actual role player, an actual contributor, which, I mean, on the surface kind of sounds... I don't know. It, it doesn't sound great, but when you're talking about these G League guys who are more or less just kind of found money, um, turning them into any type of role player is like a huge get for the team. Uh, I say that the shining light was Nawaba, but their shining light might be Alex Caruso at this point. Yeah. Um, depending on kind of where he goes from here, um, I would say right now him and Nawaba have kind of had pretty similar um, careers. Caruso's highs have definitely been a lot higher, and he. But I would say he probably, I would have to look, probably hasn't really gotten as much of a shot um, as Nawaba has, or at least Nawaba did while he was in Cleveland. Um, but yeah, I mean, if Caruso turns into an actual starter or role player, I mean, that's just kind of another feather in the cap for this G League team. So Caroline yeah. seems like he's kind of a, I don't want to necessarily say raw, but kind of a type of player that they can mold into something. He can do a lot of things well and... Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it seems like he's a guy that they could work with on certain areas and get him to be a contributor. So um, at this point, I mean, I there's no reason really not to have kind of full belief in the uh, this G League staff. They promoted a bunch of guys from the G League to the like actual Lakers, quote unquote. So yeah, um, it'll be interesting to see if that same type of development still occurs. But I believe Kobe Carl's still there. Um, so, I mean, having him and the staff around him, um, yeah, Kobe Carl's still there. be interesting to see if they can continue that because um, it's an area that the Lakers, I think, have succeeded maybe more than just about any other team is kind of building up through this G League system yeah. and finding these role players um, for very cheap. I mean, even Caruso, he only paid... What is that? Five, a little over, about five and a half million dollars um, for two years, and if mm. he turns into something, I mean that's that's tremendous value. So, yeah. it'd be interesting to see if Caroline's kind of the next in line for that. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk a lot. I mean, the rest of the basically the names that we'll be previewing in the coming weeks, days, and weeks are going to be a lot of those G League guys. So I'm sure a lot of other people will talk about that, but. Um, we got to talk about it first. We got Jordan Caroline first, so um, be interesting to see how this, how the uh, the G League staff does, because they're going to have a whole bunch of guys that they can work with this year and potentially mold into something. So, uh, with that, that wraps it up for us. Uh, Hani, thank you greatly for coming on tonight, um, filling in for Christian. Um, hopefully, next week I will get to. Take my trip to Hawaii. Um, I don't know how we're basing the list of who gets to go when. Um, I'm assuming we're trying to get all these out of the way by the time the season starts. So, If you guys want to hire me for a week just to go to Hawaii and then fire me after, I'm cool with that. Uh, I believe it has to be two weeks, maybe work here a week, and then um, you go to Hawaii for a week and then you can quit, give your two weeks notice. I'm not sure how. All right. I mean, I, I can deal with that. I think that's fine. Um, but yeah, Christian should be back next week. We will uh, continue these. We, 
we will continue with some of the G League guys, and then we'll go to some of the the staff as well or whatnot. So we'll see next week where we're at on the list and go from there. But again, Hani, thank you for coming on. Um, if you guys haven't, subscribe to us on iTunes. Leave a rating and review. Um, helps us out tremendously. Um, but yeah, for Hani, this is uh, Jacob signing off. Have a great one, everyone.